Accountability and discipline are the highest forms of self-love. That's it. Everyone like it comes to me like, well, you're so disciplined. I'm like, I just love myself. Discipline for me is showing myself love. Like not eating those cookies on a Wednesday night, getting up and going to going for a walk, getting up in the morning and meditating and journaling and all this stuff. Like it's not about like taking away something from my life. Like it's it's about showing myself that w the way that I'm going to be the best version of me that day is because I have I know I do these things. This is for the others out there, the other ambitious people who want to play at a higher level in their life. It's time to get curious and get real. Join me, and together, let's find the others. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Find the Others podcast. I am your host, Joshua Church. Grateful to have you with us. New episodes are dropping every Wednesday and Sunday, so be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can get the notification when a new episode comes out. And give me a follow on Instagram at Joshua Dean Church to catch different clips and highlights that I post. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, you find something that might be valuable, please be sure to share it with a friend who also might be into it so that together we can continue to grow our tribe of others. Today, I am pumped to bring you a conversation with my friend, Sam Gibbs Morris. Sam is a professional speaker, author, entrepreneur, and alignment coach, helping guide people to heal from the shit they're scared to talk about. He has an absolutely insane story, which you'll hear. After giving himself cancer from drinking nearly twice, almost dying in a crazy accident, falling out of a window, and going in and out of rehab five times, he finally came to a decision that he was going to change and has never looked back. In his recent TED Talk, Why You Need to Stop Settling for Hope, he discusses how hope can actually trap people in a cycle of stories and excuses and what we need to do to escape that cycle and gain the real freedom to be ourselves. We talked a lot about this idea of hope, of discipline and self-love, toxic positivity, and much, much, much more. This was one of my favorite conversations. There were so many great nuggets in here, so excited for you to tune in and listen to get some of those nuggets. And be sure to give Sam a follow on Instagram for some great content, at Sam Gibbs Morris. And you can check out his TED Talk. The link is in my show notes. Without further ado, please welcome Sam Morris. Sam, great to see you, brother. You too, brother. It great really to is. It's really beautiful to see you in person. Same, brother. I feel the same way. Oh, I feel it already. I feel the vibes are yeah, high already. It's so good. It's so good. Welcome, yeah, yeah. welcome back to the West Coast. Thank you very much. Good to be back. <laughs> Short trip or your business trip, really. Business, huh? business, yeah, a little pleasure. Heading to Austin after after oh, cool. Portland. So check out that for a minute. Nice. Were you living in Austin before? I was, yeah. yeah. So I I left California in uh I guess it was September 2019, yeah. like yeah. shortly after we saw each other, yeah, yeah, for the retreat, and then uh, I was in Austin for about a year and a half, mm -hmm. which was a weird year and a half um, because of COVID. Like right. I, got, I got there and it was then the holidays and then COVID, so I got like a weird, weird thing about Austin, a weird version of Austin, but still, it was probably the best place I've ever lived. So cool. Yeah, I, I mean, was even despite it all, like just yeah, the people. I, I talk about Austin when people ask me what's Austin like. For me, yeah, it was like the hot chick across the bar that you like. You, that chick's amazing. I want to talk to her. And yeah. Austin was that for me. It was like college football, barbecue, that's cool, Latin women, tacos, <laughs> country music, like all these things I love. And I'm like, that looks amazing. And then I get there, and the like the the character of Austin was like amazing. Yeah. So you go over talk to that hot chick and she's you're like, holy crap, this chick's smart. Like she can have a conversation. That's what Austin That's is That's so me. good. <laughs> I love that analogy. I, I went to Austin for the first time a couple weeks ago. Uh -huh. um, I loved it. So good. It was really cool, especially now everything's pretty much opened up. Yep. Um, I love Barton Springs. Oh, I love yeah. the the nature that was built into the city. Yep. The late was Lady Bird River. Lady Bird Lake. Lady Bird Lake. Yeah, yeah like which Austin. is really like a river. But yeah, like, I, like, I, I, I was always confused about. It. I'm like, yeah, that's a river. Like, that's no, that's a, river, a lake. I'm like, no, lake. that's a river. Yeah. <laughs> but it was cool. And then also, there's some depth to it too, where it's like mm -hmm. you get a lot of the vibes from my brief time there that you get here in San Diego, or you get a lot of the kind of forward thinking, mm -hmm. innovative, conscious culture culture over there too. Did you, did you find that also? Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, I was 
actually it's funny because when I was here in San Diego for that retreat, yeah, um, I had just gotten over like a pretty massive heartbreak, mm. and I was like, and I my first it happened in January, and my first thought was like knee jerk, I'm going to L.A. to live, I gotta get out of the Bay Area, right? And then I was like, no, that feels like a reactionary, like I'm gonna regret that decision. So I waited, and I was down here in San Diego, and it was like for the first time I was like. I think I could live somewhere else. Yeah. And like I got that vibe from San Diego and I yeah. was like, okay, I know what San Diego's like. Let me go check out Austin. Right. And I went to Austin one weekend in October and I was like, okay, this is it. This is it. Because you were in the, you've been in the Bay Area for seven years. Seven years. Yeah. Where like, were you? Well, six years. And where were you before that? Um, before that I was in, so South Florida and then uh-huh. North Carolina briefly. Um, I, I, that's kind of like where my... My, uh, can we swear on here? Yeah. My shit show ended <laughs> yeah. in North Carolina. Like the last of my drinking and drugs was like two months of just drunken disaster in North Carolina. And then I moved west to San Francisco after that. Gotcha. And then, so I stopped in Utah for about nine months and then on to San Francisco. Yeah. What was that transition like? You were in North Carolina and you realized I got to get out of here. I so, got to shift some things up. So I was in actually Delray Beach um, for about a year and a half. And I had spent like 11 of those months sober. And I moved back to North Carolina with a girlfriend of mine. And um, I was like, you know, I, I felt the urge to drink again. I was like, I think I can do it. And so I was like, I, but I know that if this girlfriend's in the picture, it's not going to happen because she will never allow it. And so I like subconsciously like created like, I don't love you anymore. Like you yeah. got like you got to go like you're my last line of defense against drinking. So mm. got to get you out of the picture. And then I was, I spent, I drank on September 20th and two months of just complete and utter, just nothing, like lost my job, my car, my house, my dog, spent eight nights in jail. Wow. Like a hospital stay a few times. My drug dealer broke into my house and stole my TV all within two months. Wow. Yeah. And then finally on November 20th, I was like, this has got to end. Like it was, and it wasn't just that. It was like 15 years of that. Yeah. Just in and out of that kind of behavior. And I was just like, this can't, I can't go on like right. this. Would you say that was like a rock bottom for you at that you know, moment? I, yeah. I mean, it was a rock bottom in a sense of like, I felt everything. Yeah. That everything, all the wreckage I had created, all the pain I had caused myself and others, like I felt it all. I had been in worse places. Like I gave myself cancer twice from drinking and I had been, I fell off a balcony one time, 35 feet and ended up in the trauma unit. So like I had these like peer, these things that happened that you'd be like, you might want to take a look at your drinking. Dude. Right. And I was like, nah, not yet. Yeah. <laughs> like fell off a balcony and survived. Like let's celebrate. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it was the end. It wasn't necessarily a rock bottom, but it was the end. Mm. What, what made that the end versus falling off a balcony? You know, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. To this day, I don't know. I just know that like at that moment, I was sitting there at my kitchen table. It was 4 a.m. I had a big pile of cocaine and a bottle of rum there. And I was just like, I'm done. Wow. Like, I don't know. What, it was like a moment came over me. I'm just like, I can't, can't do it anymore. So was, did you go to rehab after that? Yeah, I went to rehab for four weeks in Michigan. Okay. And then from there I was like, it was a, it was actually a Scientology based rehab, mm-hmm. which if that works for you, that yeah, works for you. And yeah, it kind of worked for me, Cool. but it was weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, you know what? Like this is, I got a good start here, but I need to go to like a real, like solid recovery program. And I went to, I had been to a rehab in Utah, Cirque Lodge in 2007 and I knew it was good. I knew the quality of care was good. Just in 2007, I wasn't at right. a point where I was ready to receive it. So I was like, I know if I go there, like this will give me a really solid stepping off yeah. point. Cause I was committed to recovery at this point. I was committed to like, I can't go down this road any longer. Right. And so I went to that rehab in Utah and then I spent three months in a sober living house in Salt Lake city. Mm-hmm. And then from there I went to San Francisco. Got it. So how many, you were, how many stints did you do in rehab? Throughout. All told, from yeah. like from 2007 to yeah. 2012, um, I did two in 2007. I did one in 2010. Yeah, I did two in 2012. Mm-hmm. So altogether, five. Wow. And yeah. and and you think that it was the the difference in why the fifth worked is because you were ready for it? Yeah. Because so I, I would always there's like this. Uh, lady trying to get into here was, she breaks uh, the door open that was a ghost yeah <laughs> um so i had this this thing and mm-hmm. and um i'm actually the ted talk i'm about to do is about this it's yeah. about like hoping external things would fix me mm. hoping external things would save me and this goes way back to my my childhood but yeah. um i was always i always would say you know aa doesn't work for me rehab doesn't work for me and it was just i never worked for it like I was never in a place where I was doing anything to change anything. It was always like, well, please just save me. Just bring my girlfriend back, get the job back, get my parents off my back. Like all these things. I was just like, I lived in this perpetual state of hoping that this external thing would just fix me. 
And it just never works like that. Never works like you that. You have to commit. Like it has to, it, we talk about inside job, like this has to be like a, a commitment from like your core. Yeah. You know, like not like the ab core, like this, the core, the heart, like yeah. the, the, the actual heart has to say like, I'm ready for this. Right. And for me, like, in, like intellectually, I knew like from like 2010 to 2012, like I knew I had a problem. I totally 100% knew, like evidence was there. Like I had jail stays, hospital stays, DUIs. I had six DUIs. I had like all these things. Wow. They were like, you have a problem. Like, okay, I get it. But it wasn't, it was still in my head. It wasn't in my heart. Like I, it literally had to have gravity take effect and like pull it from my head to my heart. And you could feel the difference like, from that. 100%. When, like, you, like, when it pulled to your heart. Yeah, when I could, like since that day on November 21st, like when I felt that like going from the heart to the body, like, yeah. you know, like, like the somatic experience of like feeling that in my body was like, this can't, like, I don't care what I, my health, my whole head thing was like, I know I have the problem drinking, but my head was like, you're just, how can you go on a date without drinking? How can you go to a football game without drinking? And so finally, when it, when it dropped into my body, I was like, I don't care. Like, I just know I can't, like, I, I have to figure out how to go on Gotta dates. find a way. I, I cannot, this is like burn the boats moment. Like yeah. I can't go back. And so from that day, like it's never, like I've never once had a craving to drink or wow. use a drug. Like it's just never been an option for me, which is, I'm really lucky to have that experience because yeah. a lot of people struggle with that. But for me, it was like, I, I had been through the struggle of like the cravings and all that prior to, because I was never like full body committed to it. Yeah. And, and I feel like that, how does that translate to other decisions that you make? Yeah. So like having that experience of like this, like the energetic experience of like the frequency, the vibrational frequency mm -hmm. of like feeling it in the body and it takes a while. It's like trusting your gut. And so for so long, like I spent 15 years like ignoring my gut or like abusing my gut, you know, the intuition, like just not trusting anything. And then you get into AA and they tell you whatever you think you're supposed to do, do the opposite. So it's, it's kind of like not, I don't have a problem with AA, but like, there's a few things about it where like, and it's great at first. Yeah. But after a while, like you have to learn, like I, I can go back to that moment and be like, if, it, if it's a relationship, if it's a job, if it's like anything, something simple, like if this doesn't feel right in my body, right? you might, you don't have to say no, but like, just take a look at it. Yeah. Like what's going on? Like, why does this feel so awful in your body? Like why? And it could be that you're just scared and you should do it. Or it could be like, this is a really bad idea and probably shouldn't do it. Mm. But like when you can tap in and listen to your body like that, you know, cause the head will play all kinds of tricks. On right. <laughs> so what are some ways that you can either discern between the head and the heart or yeah. drop down into the heart and be like, what is my intuition telling me? So one of them is like, we did this, like the, yeah. those three breaths, like drop it in like that. And just like, t like removing all the external stimulus, close the eyes. You know, there's like with meditation, for example, like the eyes closed meditation versus like, there's a thing called the mindfold. Mm -hmm. It's a eye mask that you put on complete darkness meditation. Like it's a next level thing because you remove all of like the stimulus. So if you can just like de detach from like what's going on, like the actual visual or auditory experience of it and just say like, where does this, like, how does this feel? Like relax the shoulders, take away the tension and just drop in and say like, all right, you know, does this feel safe? Does this feel right? Does this feel, does this align with my values? Because when you get clear about like what you, where you're going, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's like that, um, you know, it's a self-love thing. There's a, there's a question, Kamal Rabi Khan, he wrote the book, um, love yourself like your life depends on it. Mm. And like in, a, in any moment you can think, and when you're tapped in, you can think, you can ask yourself, what would I do if I really loved myself right now? Like, and like, if you like, like with nutrition or with like, um, doing something you don't want to do, like, like come from that place of like, I'm loving myself right now. And if it's like eat four cookies on a Wednesday night and that's love because it needs some soul food, go for it. Mm. But if you're just eating four cookies to eat four cookies on a Wednesday night, like, do you, is that really loving yourself? Like, no. I feel like we know too. Like totally we, we know. know in the instance when we pose the question, the yeah. answer is there. It's like when you flip a coin, they always say right. like, when you really want to do something, flip a coin, you're going to, when that thing hits the air, you'll know what you really want to do. Right. <laughs> Cause it's so powerful, isn't so, it? It's so simple and so powerful. Yeah. But we just like, we, I think honestly, like, with like like wearables and like um, like all these like head things we use for meditation, like those are super helpful, but at the same time they're kind of numbing us to like right. w listening to our body. Like I, I I have all the wearables at home because mm -hmm. I'm like I love all the information and all the stuff and it's cool, but like using them for like working out, like the Whoop for working out, the Whoop for mm -hmm. sleep, or the Aura for sleep, like those are helpful. But mm -hmm. we rely so much on like that. The Ring told me I had a bad night's sleep. 
Like, I feel rested. I don't know. Right, you know, right. Like, so then we get in our heads about, like, well, the ring told me I had a shit night's sleep, so therefore I think I have a shit night's sleep even though I felt rested. Yeah. So I think, like, when we, the more we can just, like, really experience our body naturally mm-hmm. and, like, how does it feel and, like, getting grounding with Mother Earth and, like, getting in the ocean and, like, all these things that tap us into, like, what's real. Yeah. Like, the stuff we had before technology. Yeah. It's so powerful. Learning to be human again. (laughs) It's kind of like that's that's one of my big pursuits is helping teach people how to be human again. That's amazing. That's why I love the Wim Hof stuff. Yeah. like you got to get primal with it, reconnecting mm-hmm. with your breath and body, and yeah, yeah. and and drop and feeling instead of getting out of the thinking mind, getting into the feeling mind and the, the gut, right? Yeah, totally. And like we we are especially here in America. Like I, I've moved to Mexico recently, and mm-hmm. like to feel like the way my central nervous system reacts to like not America, mm-hmm. and this is like pandemic quarantine aside, just like the excess and the speed at which we operate here, and the ease that we can get to everything. Mm-hmm. Is so crazy to go to Mexico and be like, it's you have to work a little more for things, but you find out what's really important. Yeah, and that was my attraction to Mexico. Is I got there and like I felt my nervous system just like mm-hmm. went down from like an eleven to like mm-hmm. a three. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is nice. Yeah, <laughs> can actually operate from that. Yeah, from that space. No, there's like very little fight or flight. Yeah, yeah, and that that's 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 the goal in my opinion. Here is like, how can we how can we strive for the best of both worlds, right? How because mm. it, it's going to take us reprogramming our software yep. when we have access to all of these things mm-hmm. to actually stop and to ask ourselves how are we feeling i always like to say that when it comes to morning routine instead of, i followed like dogmatically like hey this is routine check 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 instead <laughs> it's like wake up i ask myself how am i feeling today what do i need yeah. like ask yourself what do you need and then give yourself that because what you need today is gonna be a little bit different than yesterday and tomorrow yep. So that process of checking in, journaling is a big tool that helps me with that. 100%, are yeah. there other things, breathing, journaling, what mm-hmm. are some other practices for you that you use that you really enjoy? So journaling is one, like I've, I've had a, a tough relationship with journaling a little bit, um, you know, cause a lot of it, like I tend to like go to that like negative place. Like mm-hmm. I need to journal about like the shit going on in my head. Right. But in reality, I just got introduced to this way of journaling, experiential journaling. Like right down right at the top of the journal, I, right now I am experiencing and whatever comes up could be fear, could be love, could be gratitude, could mm. be overwhelm, could be anything. But when you, when you can say like, it's not that I, I am overwhelmed or I am scared. It's like right now I am experiencing fear. It takes the, the, all the sting away from it and the power away from it. And it gets you in touch with what you're feeling. Right. And going right now, like what's happening right now. I'm experiencing fear right now. Or right now I'm experiencing gratitude being here with you. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and even all of that's fleeting. You know, there's like, there's a, uh, it's a 21-day abundance meditation that Deepak Chopra yeah. does. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, towards the end, he gives you that story about the king with the, the bracelet, I think it is, or the ring that has the inscription on it of this too shall pass. Zayavor vigam zayavor. Uh, In Hebrew, it means this yeah. shall pass and this too shall pass. Yeah, because yeah. it's both. Like yeah. The king goes to the edge of the cliff and he's about to get murdered and, the, and they turn away and he's like, oh, everything's good. And yep. the wise man is like, no, no, no. This is also going to pass. Right. And that's so cool. Such a powerful reminder. Yeah. It's like it grounds you. It keeps you centered and humbled. And it keeps you in gratitude. Mm. It keeps you in one perseverance and gratitude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why I love gratitude because gratitude comes from the from the, the the root word and from Spanish and Latin, which is grace. Mm. Right. That's that's the root word of gratitude. And grace means to be able to stand in between the positive and negative perceptions. Because you can truly be gratitude when you can stand in the middle oh, and see, beautiful. right? It's like yeah. a beautiful expression of it's like, it's that it's that center point of the highs and the lows is yeah. when you can see the full picture and not be over elated or overconfident or have a false sense of positivity yeah. or too down in the dumps or negative or focused on those things. But it's your ability to, to take a step back and see both things and have that appreciation come from that. Yeah, that's a hundred percent true, man. Because if you get attached to one of those things, like you'll get that high, and then when you crash, it's like yeah, or uh, just uh, get stuck in the low for sure. And I'm curious to this might tie into your your TED talk you're about to do, which I'm so excited to tune into <laughs> um, on hope is the idea of and something I see a lot is this almost like this addiction to positivity, mm. right? Or this kind of placating a false sense of positivity. Like I consider myself a positive person. I consider you a positive person. Mm-hmm. I, I, I I like to bring that positivity to the world in every interaction. But at the same time, I, I think that it's easy for people to like uh, just good vibes only like forget about the bad stuff. Like don't look yeah. at the bad stuff. Yeah, yeah. What's your relationship with that? Yeah. So that's you know toxic positivity. 
like toxic we, positivity. Yeah. We yeah, get, we get, good. yeah, we get stuck in that. Cause it's so, it, it is, it's, it's like a drug, you know, like you can look on Instagram and see, and just like, you can find any quote that will support any mood that you're in. You know, it's like, there's the meme, there's one of my favorite memes is what's your favorite thing to do when you're depressed? Listen to sad country songs and make myself more depressed. Cause you can find it. You, whatever you feel like supporting in yourself, you can find. And positivity is the same way, which the, and that's the, the fine line you walk is like, yes, okay, let's, let's find something that resonates with me that gives me a little bit of hope. And, but let's not like stay there. Let's, let's find something that actually, instead of just placating me, you know, kicks me into action. Mm. And this is the Ted, this is the thing about Ted, the Ted talk is, and I think it'll be, it'll be out by the time it this podcast be, yeah. is there. So we can talk at will about it. For sure, for sure. <laughs> um, so what it is, is that when you settle for hope, you settle for hope. Hope is not action. Hope is not advancement. Hope is movement. Hope is a rocking chair. Hope is sitting there in the rocking chair on the porch, rocking back and forth, feeling good, enjoying life, but you're not advancing. There's no advancement in hope. Now, the purpose of hope, like we just talked about, like if you go on Instagram and you're like, give me something positive. Give me, give me, give me a glimmer of hope. Great. Hope is hope. Hope should last about that long. A spark. A spark. Give you that spark to kick you into. And the, the, my TED talk goes into. The last thing I ask on the TED talk is, um, next time you're next time you're faced with hoping or taking action, ask yourself this: Do you love yourself enough to stop settling for hope and start believing in yourself? Ooh. Because <laughs> when you start to believe in yourself, then you now have the ability to take action. Because if you don't believe in yourself, you're going to stay hoping because it's the easiest thing, it's the safest thing, it's what feels good. It's that it's a stagnant energy. Same thing as worry. Worry is the same way. Like worry and hope are actually like, they're like two sides of the same coin. Brothers, sisters, like twins. The only thing is, is that hope gets all romanticized and put in movies and everyone's like, oh, I'm a hope dealer, which is <laughs> great. It does have a purpose, but it's in reality, worry and hope are the exact same thing. They both trick your body into like somatically feeling like you're doing something because you're rocking. You're mm-hmm. in that rocking chair, but you're not advanced. Neither of them, if they don't kick you into action, neither of them are doing anything for you. Mm. You're just stuck in both of them. So when you, when you stay in that hoping in that, like just reading those positive quotes and like getting into that toxic positivity, you're not taking action and nothing will change until you take action. Like this is the bottom line. Like we can throw all the spiritual idioms around and positive quotes, but like really when it comes down to it, if you want something done, you got to do something about it. Boom. That's powerful. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, I think of a, like a pacifier, right? With the baby. Yeah. It's like you give it something to pacify. Yep. It's almost like a Band-Aid kind of thing. Totally. And it can, you can get, I can see how it's easy to get stuck into that versus what you're saying is see, see the benefit of it and the purpose of it and use that to fuel you into action, into taking action versus getting stuck in that place. Right. Yeah. Because like you just you can't get, like, hope is a sense of bliss. Like you get in that place where it's like, this is nice. Like I'm hoping, like I sure hope I get that job or I sure hope I'm not depressed tomorrow or Mm -hmm. whatever. Like for me, it was rehab, like the rehabs. Like I was always hoping that, okay, I'm going to go to rehab. I just, I'm just going to show up and and it'll osmosis work for me like that. My hope, I hope that, and I hope when I get back, my girlfriend will come running back to me and we'll live happily ever after. Right. No, it doesn't work like that because I never did anything. I just showed up and hoped. Mm. And that didn't, I mean, hope might have gotten me to actually go to rehab, but that's, I got stuck in that hoping. I got stuck in that, this feels good. Like this, this level of action feels good. Not, not so much that I have to actually like change things and learn how to live without alcohol. Like, I just want to hope that I magically will figure it out. Right. Now, how do you discern between or, or differentiate between hope and faith if you do, or hope and belief? So belief mm-hmm. is, so hoping is that you, that emptiness almost of like that. I don't, I don't believe in myself enough. I don't have the belief in myself in order to get past the hoping something will do change for me. Like I hope I win the lottery or I hope mm-hmm. something will happen. So that, that, that really comes back to a lack of self love, which is a lack of belief. Because if you really like, again, if you really loved yourself, you would use that hope and take action because if you love yourself you believe in yourself so belief is based in that unconditional no matter what love of yourself like a, like birds for example birds don't operate on the fact that they hope a branch won't break <laughs> like they believe in their wings and their ability to fly so they don't worry about the branch breaking 
you know, with humans, like we sit on the branch and like we, we'd sit there and hope like, oh, this thing feels weak. Like I can see it cracking over there. I sure hope it doesn't break because <laughs> we, we don't, well, we don't have wings, but we also just don't trust ourselves, the ability, our ability to recover. Yeah. And so we get stuck and that's why hoping is so attractive is because it feels like we're doing something. It literally like, it's like, um, you know, the, like the subconscious doesn't know the difference between an actual experience and a visualized experience. Mm-hmm. Hope is a visualized experience. So your body thinks that it's doing something about it. And, to, and visualization is very helpful. But again, like visualization if you, is only helpful if you actually like move towards the thing you're visualizing. You know, it accelerates the process. Whereas hope, like you, your body's like, oh, this feels so good. Like I'm going to get up tomorrow and I'm going to do some more hoping. You know, six months go by and you're like, I'm going to get up tomorrow and I'm going to do some more hoping. Like you're not anywhere. Like, Where's the meat? <laughs> yeah, you haven't advanced. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, what, I'm, what I'm taking away from that is that between faith and hope or belief and hope, let's say belief is it's like a more empowered state of that hope where right. hope is more of like you're, you're placing that empowerment on something external or that things will happen, which is, which can be a helpful bridge when you're in a spot when you need that, yeah. but then you need to take that power back. And that's what you're talking about from your experience. When you finally got to that point where you're like, I need to take this power. Right. Back. So hope there's really no accountability in hope or discipline. Like it's just a, it's that, it's that endless cycle. When you have belief, like you will, you automatically create accountability and discipline for yourself. You create the accountability. Like I believe in myself, so I can't let my own self down, but this is, this is where the self love comes in. Like you love yourself enough to stay believing in yourself. And then really like people get all freaked out by accountability and discipline. Like, Oh no, like that's jail. Like I can't be accountable. What's your philosophy or perspective on accountability and discipline? I'll tell you right now. Let's hear it. Thank you for asking. (laughs) Accountability and discipline are the highest forms of self-love. That's it. Like if you're, if you, everyone like it comes to me like, well, you're so disciplined. I'm like, I just love myself. Like I love myself to know that like I have discipline for me is showing myself love. Like not eating those cookies on a Wednesday night, getting up and going to going for a walk, getting up in the morning and meditating and journaling and all this stuff. Like it's not about like taking away something from my life. Like it's, it's about showing myself that the way that I'm going to be the best version of me that day is because I have, I know I do these things. And so discipline, it boils down to, do you love yourself enough to do what's best for yourself? Powerful. Love that. It's the, um, taking notes over here, yeah. the highest form of self-love. Discipline and accountability are the highest forms of self-love. Uh-huh. So how do you employ ca- accountability into your, into your day-to-day or into your life? Um, so, you know, accountability is like, I just, I just hold myself to the standard of like, it really, accountability is kind of like, do you want a soft pillow or a hard pillow at night? <laughs> right? If you're accountable and you do the things you're supposed to do all day, that pillow is a lot softer than if you just like let the day go by and you're like, I should have done that, but I didn't like, that's a hard pillow. That's not a good night's sleep. So like you can always reverse engineer it back from sleep is like, or from like just even relaxing at night. Like when I shut it down at six or six 30 after work, like I can either like, if I shut it down and like watching TV, if I didn't do, if I wasn't accountable to myself and disciplined and do the things that I know make me happy, mm-hmm. I'm not going to enjoy watching TV at night. Like Lakers game is on, so what? Like I'm gonna be all in my head, like thinking about, oh, I should have done this. Like it doesn't matter. So that's that. That's that. It's just like it's just think think about it's it's play the tape forward. Like it, how am I gonna feel if I don't do this? You're gonna feel you're gonna have a little bit of shame, probably a little bit of guilt, maybe some regret. And you're gonna be like, you know what? Like it's gonna stick with you. Yeah. You know they say like I always say like the opposite of discipline is not freedom. The opposite of discipline is regret. Because you know, and that's, interesting. This goes back to like you know, discipline weighs ounces, regret weighs tons. Discipline weighs ounces, regret weighs tons. Wow, that's really great. And then when you take it back to the question you asked earlier, which is, if, if I really loved myself, what would I do right now in this moment? right now? Yeah, you would take on the ounce of yeah. effort or of suffering uh, to the reward, and versus the pounds on your shoulders later down. And that's soft pillow, hard pillow. Yeah, and that starts in the morning, mm. like. You know, sometimes sleeping until nine is the best thing you can do for yourself. If you've had a rough, like if you've been under the weather or just like overtraining, I mean, yeah. whatever, like there's time for that. Listening to yourself, 
But most of the time, it's like, just get out of bed, put your feet on the floor, and then once the feet are on the floor, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> my, my rule of thumb is I get out of bed, I dr- chug some water, uh-huh. and I brush my teeth. That's huge. And I find that after I br- – and I, and, and I form this habit by saying – after I drink water and brush my teeth, I can decide to go back and sleep an extra 20 <laughs> minutes and I'll give myself that. But what I find is that every time, I don't know if it's something with like the mint toothpaste or the act of like washing your face, brushing your teeth and drinking water. But after that happens, I can be so tired just dragging my feet out of bed. Yeah. But after that happens and I'm like, all right, cool. In a matter of two minutes. Yeah. Everything changes. <laughs> feet on the floor. Put it's your feet on the floor. just those first two minutes that are like yeah. the body weighs 50,000 pounds and it's a it's a parallel to a lot of things in life huh yeah it, it, it goes the other way too it's like the gym for example like i don't feel like going to the gym like just go for 10 minutes like if you if you go for 10 minutes and you still feel like leaving you go ahead and leave right but by the time you've like gotten dressed put your shoes on driven or walked to the gym done something for 10 minutes like you've basically already committed 30 minutes and now it's like oh, I might as well just finish it's it's more it's more convenient for me to do this now than it <laughs> vice than vice versa. That's like that's yeah. so much of what I what I've said with with getting things set up like with this podcast and and just with with lots of things in my life is I, I make it I make it more inconvenient to not do the thing than to do the thing. That's why like I work with a trainer three times yeah. a week. All I gotta do is show up. It's like I show up and I have it scheduled. I have sessions paid for. So yeah. I don't show it like it's more convenient for me to do it than to actually just not do That's it. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Just make it really inconvenient not to do it. Yeah. Make it really <laughs> inconvenient not to do it. And and there's um, uh, I read this book called Tiny Habits. Oh, by, so good. It's good, right? Yeah. The, by uh, Fogg. BJ, BJ Fogg. That's right. Yeah. And and uh, I love the uh, the action graph or the action line mm-hmm. where basically what I take away from this is that when you want to make something a habit and you want to make something repeatable, you want to make it as easy as possible to do. Right. And when you want to stop something, you want to make it as difficult as possible yep. to do and decrease your motivation to do it. And when it's easy, you want to increase your motivation and yeah. make it as easy you as possible. Talk about friction, right? Friction. Yeah. Exactly. Like if you have a problem with eating junk food, put your junk food in the garage on a shelf that you need a ladder to get to. Right. If you can get to that junk food on the ladder and put that time in to get to it, go ahead. Exactly. But the chances you're going to want to do all that to get to that candy bar right. are very slim. And, and the same thing I've heard philosophy on. Uh, eat whatever you want. Just make it yourself. If you want to eat cake, <laughs> you want to eat cupcakes, do it. But just bake it yourself. Uh, that's a great so, one. It's a great way to think about it because yeah. it gives you freedom in that. And uh, and then I have a friend who does literally every night, um, turns his Wi-Fi router off. Oh, that's yeah, so like that's big commitment. So if he wants to actually connect, yeah, just to actually go turn the Wi-Fi on and then and then connect to devices. That's a, that's brilliant, right? Yeah. <laughs> like things like that. How do you can you create more friction in those things? And then likewise, when you wanna when you wanna go to the gym or you wanna create these habits that wanna that, that stick, how can you decrease the friction? How can you make it as easy as possible? How can you get your gym bag set up the night before? Yeah. How can you get your you know your shoes ready to go and everything easier to go? Your timeline scheduled to make it less friction. Yeah, that's I needed to hear that today because that's yeah. like I need to implement some things yeah. in my life. Is some, I need to use friction a little friction. bit in my life, yeah. both both ways. Yeah, both ways. It's, it's a it's a powerful tool, and I think yeah. it's like it's just a constant practice and a dance of like, where do I need to create friction here? Where do I need to mm-hmm. maybe decrease some of the friction? Well, that's, it goes back to like you talked about in the mornings. Like, don't get so tied to like one certain morning mm-hmm. routine because that mm-hmm. it's it's not sustainable. I found it's yeah. not sustainable, and it breeds a little bit of resentment. Like if you feel like you have to do this every yeah. morning. If you know like the three big things you have to do, like just do them in the order they fall mm. every day. That's good. And just keep like keep the simpler you can keep things. Again, this right. is a friction thing. The the less that you have to do, the minimum effective dose. Yeah, that's the best way to do it. I like anything. that. It, it and it, this ties in a lot to. I love the framing so much of if I really love myself, what would I do? And that I feel like gives me permission to lean even more into the things that if I really love myself, I would suck it up and do this workout because I know it's going to suck right now, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to feel so much better after it. Or if I really, really love myself, I would do this part of my morning ritual. I would make sure I make the time to journal before I hop on my morning calls because I know that that's going to make me just way more present for the rest of the day. 100%. So that's, I think that's such, that's such a powerful thing because and my next question to you is like, what's your, what's your viewpoint? Cause I know you have a big background in personal training and mm-hmm. fitness with this idea of like voluntary suffering or of doing challenging things. Cause it feels like I don't want to do that. If where's the balance between like, this doesn't feel good. I don't want to, I don't want to do this. I'd rather sleep in versus I know if I do this, I'll be happy. Yeah. That's, that's a very, very learned behavior. I think. Cause like mm. I, a lot of people will overtrain in the, like in the, 
almost in like the honor of suffering. Yeah. Like they, and it comes into like, almost like a, like, what are you punishing yourself for? Which is like the extreme of it. Like why you, like I have a buddy, he texted me the other day. He's like, is a three mile run and an hour long workout seven days a week too much? First of all, he's over 40. I was like, yeah. I mean, I don't care who you are, how, how old yeah. you are. Like, that is way too much. Yeah. Dude. yeah. And I'm like, it's just, why would you do that? Right. <laughs> and so like, but then there is also that thing about like, this is where the discipline comes in. It's like, I know for me, four days a week is ideal. Four days a week, I will go into the gym if I don't want to make it. And it's usually like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. I love the, I love the three break and then mm-hmm. one day. It makes it very digestible for me. Mm-hmm. But I know that like there's days within that that I'm not going to want to do it. But I know that... I'm very dialed into the, and this takes the, this is the learning thing about like learning your body, like be dialed in enough that you can tell when it's just your ego saying, we don't want to do this right Mm. now versus, um, I'm super tired and I'm, and I'm just, I've been overtraining like this past week, um, last week, I was the first time I've been in the gym four days in like a month. And I was like, you know what? My body, like I went again yesterday and my body was today was like, Mm. no. Like, and it wasn't what this was not a thing like this is going to suck. You should go do it anyways. Right. This is like your body needs like you need a break. Like you're not like you have to travel tomorrow. You're going to be miserable on a plane. Like just listen. It's really listening to your body and being tapped into like no and knowing yourself. Like I know myself like I I can easily justify not doing something. Right. But like a lot of times like I'll almost subconsciously just like in my head being like, I don't want to do this. I'm not going to do it, but I'm getting my shoes on. The shorts are going on. The shirt's going on. I'm walking out the door. And like, it's just about like really like just learning yourself and learning your body and knowing your internal conversations and not listening to like, you know, quote unquote, the inner bitch. Yeah. Wow. I think this is like the most brilliant mechanism that we have as human beings is the ability to listen to that intuition and decipher between it. And I feel like, more people are starting to wake up to that and starting to see the power in that and the ability and what that actually can lead to. Yeah. Like even just today for me, I was tired. I had a great weekend. I had some friends in town. It was an awesome weekend. Then this morning I was just like, I woke up and I was just tired this mm. morning. I was dragging. It was rainy. It was, I was just tired. I had a workout schedule. This comes back to making it more convenient. I'm not going to text my trainer and cancel <laughs> Yeah. and also be on the hook financially to like lose the session for right. that day. So I'm, I'm like, but I know deep down I will do that if I really feel like I need the rest. But right. what I felt was I know that I'll feel better after this. Yep. And there's a difference between the same thing could have happened and I'll be like, I, this is going to really drain me and I'm not going to, I'm going to feel worse after this. So if I really love myself, what, what would I do? I would, I would suck it up and go because I know it's going to shift my state. I know doing the deep breathing is going to get me moving. I know that breaking a sweat is going to feel good and it's going to kickstart my day, re-energize me. And it did that. And especially on a Monday, especially on a Monday, like um, uh, Monday, there's Monday is a real thing. It's not just another day of the week. Like you kick off Monday. Well, it's just because we, I mean the calendar, whatever, but like Monday morning is a very important time of the week. Like it's the, probably the most important time of the week for me. Because if I if I give in to the conversation on Monday morning, it makes it okay the rest of the week. The most brilliant quote I ever heard was uh, Sir Alec Ferguson of uh, Manchester United, the old manager. Mm. If you give in once, you'll give in twice. If you give in twice, I, I added on. If you give in twice, it's a lifestyle. Mm. Because like, but it's so true. If you give in once, like if you if I give in on a Monday morning, mm-hmm. like Tuesday, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. I don't know. It's almost like I, the week's already washed. Yeah. And it's not. I still yeah. have four days left. But right. like in my head, my little voice is like, ah, oh, you already missed Monday. Right. What the hell? You can right. miss Tuesday. Start back up next week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I've lost six days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like those six days, they add up. All those little times that you give into that that conversation in your head, that ego of like whatever it's doing, keeping you safe, it thinks it's keeping you safe, mm-hmm. are like ATM fees. Every time you give in, it, it may not be like this is the thing. You give in once. You'll give in twice because you give in once, you it's, it's not you didn't miss much. You give in on Monday morning, you're like, oh, I'm, I still kind of have a six pack, like, yeah, I'm still in shape, like I didn't, like, oh, so I have like now, now all of a sudden in my head, I've created a little slush fund, yeah, because it's now and now the ATM fees start adding up, like all mm-hmm. those little two fifty or if you're in Vegas, it's like eight dollars per ATM fee, but like all the little ATM, all those little times that you give in are ATM fees that all add up over time. Mm-hmm. If you could have all those back. 
and that stuff you can't get back. The time is the one you can't get back. Yeah. Yeah. It really isn't. So like, that's the thing. Like there's another one, like three weeks from now, you're going to thank yourself for starting today. Big time. That's that, that one rings in my head all the Mm -hmm. damn time. Mm -hmm. Like three months from now, three weeks from now, whatever. You're always going to thank yourself for doing it today. That's right. Momentum. Momentum is a powerful force. The Mo is real. Big Mo. When you get, (laughs) when you got big Mo on your side, I just did a little podcast on this the other day. When you got big Mo on your side, like, that's a, that's all it is. I mean, you it's, know this. You're a sports fan. Like yeah. we see this in sports. We love watching this mm-hmm. when the momentum. Like basketball is one of my favorite sports because it's a game of runs. It's a game of momentum. And yeah. It's who can capture the momentum and 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 when 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 the other team has momentum, can you outlast? Can you like stop their run? Yep. You don't need to do anything crazy. You just need to outlast their big run and their momentum until the momentum will shift back. To be able to be up for grabs and then yep. can you take it and bring the momentum back to your court and you see it in like seven game series and like the the was it when the warriors were up three one yeah the Cavs got the momentum oh yeah they there's did. no stopping that oh yeah they like did. They, yeah it was amazing you like that was one build. of the best things i've ever experienced watching in my life was they can come back from that three one and then a couple of years later they actually had it was game one and they had the momentum and jr smith called the timeout yeah Killed it all. Killed the momentum. They, they. I'm, I'm convinced they would have won that series yeah. if that didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> I know. As a Cleveland fan, I, I know uh, you are. Yeah. <laughs> as it's difficult to sit across from you with a Michigan uh, hoodie on over here, but <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I forgot. <laughs> that's so funny. So that's, but but momentum is a real thing. So how do you play with momentum, or how do you use momentum in your life? Um. Yeah. So momentum. It, it go. The thing is to recognize that it goes both ways. Like everyone thinks, like positive momentum. Like great, you have positive momentum. Momentum is like, I don't believe in motivation. Like motivation doesn't get results. Reasons get results and momentum get momentum fuels reasons. So when you can, when you realize that you have momentum and that you, that it goes both ways. So momentum can be that when you, when you harness that momentum and you feel you get like two, three, four days, two weeks, three weeks, three, a month in a row of like good positive momentum, realize that that's fragile. It can be killed in two seconds. Now, going the other direction, like if you're in a bad way, it, it feels a lot harder, but at the same time, all it takes is like three days. I have a three-day rule. If you do something for more than three days in a row, it's going to be a lot easier on that fourth day. If you don't do something for three days in a row, it's going to be a lot harder on that mm. fourth day. And the gym is a prime example. I don't know what the magic number is with 72 hours. I, there's some sorcery there that yeah. I don't know about, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it something happens on that third, that three to fourth day where it makes it harder to start or harder to stop. And so when you can tap into like, just recognize that all you have to do is just create movement in the positive direction, just create movement. I always say movement of the body creates movement within the body. And if you're not happy with the movement of the way things are going, literally stop. And like, I'm not even talking like figuratively here, like literally stop what you're walking do a 360 and then continue walking. You're going to shift something in your body. Like the universe knows somehow, again, sorcery. <laughs> but something happens when you just make it like, it's like a biofeedback. Like some people will like clap yeah. when they feel like they're getting in a bad way. They'll clap, they'll snap. People wear rubber bands and they snap. Right. Like it, there's so many little things you can do to like reset and just biologically reset. Like animals, for example. Like after, yeah, yeah, exactly. After the chase, you'll see a cheetah like shake it off. Right. Dogs, after like, if you're walking your dog down the street and they get in a little tussle with another dog, they'll take a few steps and shake it off because they're resetting their biology, creating new momentum. Hitting the reset button for their nervous system. Yeah, totally. And that's what momentum is. Like when you, when you can just recognize that you have, you can, once you get into it, it's going to feel like the easiest thing in the world. But getting into it, it takes a little, it takes like, it's Herculean. It's, right. and this is the thing, like one of the best ways ever to, it is a lot easier to stay in shape than it is to get in shape. That's momentum right there. Like for me, it's a lot easier to stay sober than it is to get sober. Mm. Like anything, anything you do, if you want to, it, it's a lot easier. It, it, that's the definition of momentum, right? An object in motion wants to stay in motion. Totally. Whatever you're doing, if it's, if it's bad, it's probably a lot easier to continue down that bad road, but you're you're just gonna keep getting worse. Mm-hmm. If if you're if it's good, keep doing what you're doing to get there. Like with my clients, I work with a lot. Like we get them going, I get them going in a good direction. And they want to hang on to like old behaviors that don't work because they, they think it's like I think I should be doing this. Like I should be getting up at six a.m. every morning, and every morning for three weeks it's like I'm in bed till six thirty-five. Well, how about this? How about we just change your alarm to six thirty? 
you know, like, why are you fighting it? Yeah. <laughs> like, let's yeah. not put anything in, in the way. And this is actually the friction thing. Like, right. Let's remove all the friction we can to keep momentum going. Mm. Because if you keep trying to fit square pegs into round holes, eventually that's going to catch up with you and kill your momentum. It's so good. Really, <laughs> really well said. It's fragile in either direction. I love that. And I yeah. think it's a great, uh, you know, a, a great assessment or audit for any of the listeners to be able to to do this and look at your life and look at where are you on day three of right now? Where are you on day four yeah. of? Where is there momentum going? Where do you have momentum built That's a great in your life? It, yeah. Like where do you have the positive momentum and where do you have the negative momentum? And how can you continue the positive and bring focus and awareness to that? And how can yeah. you shift the negative and put together three days? Yeah. I like that. It's 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 it takes a lot of effort for a little bit, is what it feels like, right? <laughs> yeah. It takes a lot of like, okay, I gotta show up the first three days to right. build that momentum and then for the little bit. And then it becomes a lot easier to continue with it once yeah. you make that happen. Right. I mean, it's it's like little micro audits along the way. Yeah. Like constantly do little, even if you get momentum going in the right direction, like that's that's an opportunity for you to streamline. Mm-hmm. Like, cause you know, you, there's going to be things it's like the elimination diet. Like you figure out what you, what eat, what you can eat without inflammation. Mm-hmm. And then you start adding back, adding stuff back in or you remove stuff and you, you get dialed into what really works, what doesn't. And that's when the morning routine just happens. Yeah. Like you don't have to say like, I need to do this, 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 and totally. this order. Because when you streamlined it and you realize like this, like you feel that, that somatically in your body, like this is what works for me. I'm going to do more of this. You know, if it works, do more of it. If it doesn't, do less of it. Yeah. And that's my whole thing with the morning routine. It's like. You should do it because it feels good. <laughs> exactly. it's, a, it's same thing with visualization. I see yeah. so many people, so many clients like they're, how do I, vis- I can't visualize right or I'm having a hard time doing the visualization. And we're missing the point. That's why visualization <laughs> doesn't work. You should visualize and daydream and have that time and space because it feels good. Yeah. Because it brings you energy. It shouldn't drain your energy, right? Yeah. It should bring you energy. That's that. That's the surrender piece right there. Because we want to get into meditation or visualization and we have this idea of like how it should be. Like we should, if, we're, if we're in meditation, we shouldn't be thinking about our to-do list. That's not true. Like you need, in meditation, the biggest thing that I learned in meditation is that I need to surrender to every thought that comes in. If I'm sitting there meditating and I'm thinking, and I get into meditation, I meditate about um, li- tiny habits. Like what do I need to do? Like what are the habits that I need to like streamline? And all of a sudden I go back to like when I was five years old and riding my bike down the street, like don't fight it. Like there's something there, right? Like there's some, there, maybe there's something happened that day that is blocking you from the, the habits that you really want. Like maybe you have like something happened that day where you got scared, some trauma, you have some trauma marker on that day that is now keeping you from, it has a block or a hook in you. Mm-hmm. It's keeping you from this habit that you know is going to set you free, but you've tried for six months to do it because maybe there's something on that day that you need mm-hmm. to look at. And when you can surrender, like let yourself go in that meditation or visualization to like, just go where your thoughts are going. Don't try and direct or steer or just get into meditation, close your eyes, hands off the wheel. Here we go. That's magic. Yeah, totally. Is. Yeah. Where else do you use surrender in your life? Oh, wow. So surrender is, it's not, it's not a new concept. It's a new tool for me. Like I've heard about it. So with psychedelics, mm-hmm. it's the first time that I really experienced like a full surrender moment. And it was like in that moment, like that, it was the day before my birthday mm-hmm. and I did a Bufo ceremony and it was like, what's, what's a Bufo ceremony? Bufo was a 5-MeO DMT. Got the, it. The Bufo Alvarius toad. Gotcha. Oh, so okay. You, yeah, yeah. you smoke, you just take one huge hit and you blast off and you go out and it's DMT and it's like the, you, you're gone for like 15 minutes, but then you come back and in. It feels like hours or lifetimes that you're you gone no for. Idea. Yeah, you have no like, idea. <laughs> I really have, like it could have been, it could have been hours. It could have been three minutes. I don't yeah. know. But like what happened was, is like surrender, 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 surrender came in and I'm like, okay. Like, no, 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 more, more, more. And like from that day, like it's like, it's basically surrendering to like this right now. Mm-hmm. Like just surrendering to being, mm-hmm. surrendering to every experience that you're having. Because if you, and that makes you present. And then when you're present, you can receive and you can connect and you can love and you can be intimate and all these things without the chatter in your head. And so for me, it's like, I have to like remind myself a lot of times, like, You know, if I'm like, if I feel the times that I don't surrender are the times when the anxiety ratchets up because I'm either, because I'm, something's happening that I'm resisting. And when I surrender, like, it's like every moment's a teachable moment. Like seriously, everything, like you just receive information and then you can just do whatever, you can dispose it if you want. You can accept it. You can learn from it. Like whatever, like before here, I went and sat on the beach and just received the smell of the ocean. 
just surrendered to being on the beach and like the, the dead fish smell, the algae smell, yeah. it, like it's so good. So good. And just surrendering to that and just like connecting to it. And mm-hmm. like when, when you can stop fighting all your thoughts, all, the, all your judgments, because the, the self-judgment is such a killer. Like we want to judge, we want to judge ourselves. Like it's the ego. And so when I, uh, when I had that surrender moment uh, in December, um, I mean, it was, the, it was the day that changed my life. And so I, it was so powerful for me that I went home and I tried to buy surrender.com. Yeah. <laughs> of course it Take was taken. Yeah. Of course. But I, I, I dropped the last E out of surrender. So it's S-U-R-R-E-N-D-R, not nice. E. Well, here, and so I was like, well, I guess I'll take that. And I thought about it for a minute and I was like, okay, so I'm dropping the last E. What's the last thing that has to go before you, ego? ego? The E has to go. The E has to go. <laughs> so brilliant. until you can full surrender, the ego has got to go. That last <laughs> That's e. so good. I know. I was like, yes, it's all coming together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Bye. Yeah. And so like, so really like surrendering is like, honestly, it's like, it's kind of like, cause we, we want to like exile our ego. We want to exile our shadows, but really what it is, is like, bring it closer. Bring your shadows closer, bring your ego closer and like become friends with it because it really is trying to protect you. But when, when you get to the point where it's judging you and you're in shame and guilt, shame and guilt are ego based because mm-hmm. it's like, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm stupid. I did something stupid. I look foolish. Guilt is like, I did a bad thing. You know, I, I, I got to make sure I don't do that again. Those things are judgments of yourself, ego based because the ego doesn't want to experience that whatever it is that's making us experience that again. Which is good, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you have to you have to let the ego. You have to say thank you, but we're gonna do this anyways because we love ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then, but everyone wants to like put the ego aside, like get rid of your ego death. Like ego, like any kind of death is like an exile. Like, yeah, it's ego transformation. It's ego integration is what it is. Ego. Inco- I heard the great thing the other day about integration versus incorporation. Mm. So integration is like habits and getting integrating new behaviors and stuff like that. Incorporation, so in corpus is where incorporation comes from. Corpus is the corpse, the body. The body. Right. So incorporation, incorporating is like the in, like feeling it in your body. Yeah, embodying, embodying it. Literally. Yeah, which was I was like. So so give me an example of that. So like embodying it versus integrating it or incorporating so it. So integrating would be something like like when you go into like a, a psychedelic ceremony yeah, and you right. and you some get some download and you're like, all right, so like I realize that like I now I need to like surrender for me. Like mm-hmm. I need to like now I need to be in, in the moment and if I feel myself going away or if I feel myself lacking connection or drifting off, like whew, surrender to this experience. Mm-hmm. Just surrender to this experience. So that's in, that's in that's, corp- in, that's in, in integrating that's, it. The behavior of it is the integration, right? The, right. Like the bringing yourself back and being here, embodying it, is the incorporation. I see. I see. So like it's it's kind the of behavior. like it's a doing versus a being, masculine versus mm-hmm. feminine almost. Mm-hmm. Speaking of max masculine, one thing I wanted to chat with you about is talk to me about this. I had I had someone on um, the podcast a, a number of weeks ago who was a. Um, who was like a masculinity coach. Mm. It was a really fascinating conversation around masculinity, men's mental health and mm-hmm. well-being, toxic masculinity, yeah. embracing the masculinity. Mm-hmm. What, what is your, I feel like you've done some work in that or some men's groups, men's yeah. circles. What, what is your take on masculinity as it's evolving in our world? Wow. That's big a question. Good, it's a big question. Um, I think that, um, I think it's going like, we have people like you and I, and like, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of other guys out there doing the work that are like really doing masculinity a favor by being like the, 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 um, the divine masculine. Mm-hmm. So like, and I, I do, I do have a little bit of a problem with toxic masculinity. Um, I think that that just says that all masculine are bad. Like right. the alpha male has to go. No, the alpha male needs a little bit of direction, but like the real toxic stuff is the wounded masculine. Like there's no toxicity without a wound. Right. So if, if and that's when like so when, um, when we can realize that the, the these men that are toxic, the, like the ones that are causing the problems for masculinity, like they are there is a deep wound with them. That if we can just if we can provide a men's group, a retreat, a rite of passage of some sort to let them access that wound mm. and let and look them in the eye and say you are I love you I see you you're okay and if you're not okay right now that's okay too. And anytime you're not okay, you can come to me and we'll, we'll be okay together. We'll be not okay together. Like mm-hmm. to provide that space for men 
is what's really going to like get rid of the toxic behavior because the behavior is toxic. The man himself is not toxic. Mm. He's just wounded. Right. And there's so much masculine wounding. Yeah. I mean, we've been told so many things growing up, like with like homosexual, that you're broken. Even with me, with asthma and allergies, like you're broken. Mm. Like you, you're going to, I decided that I was going to be broken forever. And like we get told that as boys, that we're broken. Something about us is wrong. We're not good at sports. We're wrong. We're not, we're not smart. We're wrong. Like, and you know, we take, we embody, we take that with us and we, we make that who we are. And we, and so the struggle now becomes fear-based. So like any kind of like the, like a toxic masculine behavior would be anger. So much anger comes from fear of I'm going to lose my wife, my job, my, I'm going to die. You know, because when that wounded masculine, basically the wounded masculine goes from like threat to death like that. And that within right. that, within that little cycle there is the reaction, like the wound gets triggered. Basically, I have to get angry now because I, I feel less than a man mm -hmm. and my anger is going to make me feel like a man again. So I'm not going to die. And so that, that there's no time in there to pause and to say, like, why is this wound triggering me? And, and, and there's no time in real time to do that. But what you can do is go to these men's groups, find other men mm -hmm. and say, like, listen, like, I'm, I'm coming here so that when I do get triggered, when my wound, I'm, I'm giving you guys my wound. I'm leaving my wound here, like in a sweat lodge, like yeah. in a time of skull, like leave your wound in the fire, give your, your wound to the grandfathers. Like give your wound to the ocean. Right. Like go do these things. Like these these men these men's groups are so powerful because that means like the, when you go to a men's group and you go back to your your world, your wife is safer. Your kids are safer. Your parents are safer. Like everyone neighbors. Everyone. Everyone. Like the ripple effect is insane when we can heal those wounds of the masculine and step into the divine masculine that we all really have in us. Just that we just got somewhere along the road. Mm -hmm. Most men got off the path right and so my like one of the things like my my company that i the men's groups i do mm -hmm. my ethos is be a warrior don't be at war because if you can be in that warrior archetype and stand there like uh, the warrior should never use his weapons just be the warrior like mm -hmm. be the one that they that, that provides the safety doesn't like doesn't threaten the safety because if you're at war you're not you're not very safe like you're in a reactionary like dangerous position and like i get if you have to go to war that's fine. But like, don't be at war with yourself, with your loved ones, like always at war. Those are the angry, toxic guys. Or looking for war. Looking, looking to pick battles. Dude, that's a huge one. Yeah. Because that, that means like, instead of like, instead of, get, that's getting out ahead of the perceived threat. Mm -hmm. Like if I can pick the fight and, and go in, it's like a shower argument. Like those shower arguments that you have like for 15 minutes and then because you're going to meet somebody and then yeah. you get there like nothing happens. You're like, wait, we're supposed to argue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I have to be angry. I'm yeah. supposed to be angry right now. Why am I not angry? Shower arguments. <laughs> so yeah, like that's a huge one, man. Like the like looking for fights like that just to, just to like basically prove superiority. Yeah. It's really powerful work, man. I'm so happy that you've, you're Thank you're you. finding this lane, especially within the, the men's group stuff. Like that feels so just... It feels like you are the shepherd for that and you are the right person to be helping guide people and right. men through that in a very, Thank very you. powerful way. So I'm like so happy to see that Thank evolving you. for you and uh, can't wait to come take part in some of those uh, men's yeah. ceremonies. Let's do it, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as an hour flies by very quickly here. Was it hour? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's pretty crazy when you tap in and, yeah. uh, and you're on that same wave. We didn't even get to talk about the mamba. It happens. It happens fast. Yeah, the mamba. Talk to me about the mamba. Real quick. Yeah. Uh, one story that got me when, when Kobe passed away. Mm -hmm. um, God, it, it, so much stuff has come out about him. Like he's, He's almost transcended, like since he passed away. Yeah, it's really unbelievable. But like Phil Jackson was telling a story about how Kobe was getting pissed off in practice, like shocker. Yeah, you know, like Michael yeah. Jordan gets pissed in practice. Yeah. No way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, Kobe, Phil was like, Kobe, why are you so upset? And he's like, because these guys aren't giving a hundred percent. And Phil was like, Kobe, your one hundred percent is here. Mm -hmm. Their one hundred percent is here. They don't know what one. They don't have the access to the one hundred percent that you do. And so I thought to myself, like, what is it, like, have I ever, have you ever, I, the question was, have, I, have you ever accessed your 100%? Like, what does your 100% really look mm. like? This is like the self-love thing. Like, what, have you ever, like, ask anybody, like, have you ever really accessed your 100%? And that's what Kobe excelled so much because he was able to access his 100% regularly. That's, and I think that's Mamba mentality. It's just like, do what it takes to access your 100% and show up like that.
And like as much of an asshole as he appeared on the court, and Jordan was an asshole, Kobe was an asshole. I mean, all the Tiger, like all these guys that excel like that on the in their arena, assholes. But like you know, you see Kobe afterward, like with the kids' books and the podcast and the and the girl dad and all that stuff. Like that dude's heart was massive. Yeah, just a caring a caring mm-hmm. human being, mm-hmm. and he. He just was, he was amazing. He was a warrior who knew when he was in battle and knew when he was not in battle. Nailed it. Right? (laughs) You just nailed it. (laughs) Yeah, he was a warrior archetype. To tap into that, into that warrior archetype that he is, which we all are, into that field of whether it's performance, work, um, you know, speaking, whatever, coaching, whatever you're doing, athletics, Mm -hmm. and then being able to like separate yourself and not be in that heightened state, but access it and yeah. then come back. Right. And lead others, lead others with mm-hmm. you to five championship mm-hmm. rings. And yeah. Right. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, brother, thank you. Is there any, anything right you'd here. like to like to share with the listeners as we, uh, as we part here? I'd say one thing that's been pretty massive for me in my growth is that, um, it's okay to say, I don't know. And it's okay to be a beginner. Allow yourself that allow yourself to be a beginner. Beautiful. Sam, brother, thank you. Thank Seriously, you. thank you. Uh, pleasure to have you. I'm excited. We got to get you back on the podcast. We'll Anytime. catch up soon yeah. and uh, and keep this conversation going. So much Anytime, love, brother. brother. Thank you so much. Love you too. Thank you.